peace, love, balance, and pace. Welcome to the Pace Podcast. I am your host, Advis, a.k.a. A Dreamer's Vision is Seeing Success. I got it. I got that patience and awareness, consistency, and searching deep inside to find my empathy. So I gotta keep my pace. Gotta keep my pace. Moving and dodging all of these lies. Running head forward here in this race. I got that. Thank y'all for tuning in again to another episode of the Pace Podcast Patience, Awareness, Consistency, and Empathy Podcast. And this is the third episode entitled Power. Now, in this episode, yes, we're going to be talking about power. And you see that there are dots in between them because I've broken it down and have an acronym for power, which we're going to find out later on in this show when we talk about the topic. But again, we're going to get into the intro and then we're going to talk about news topics that are happening right now for a what's the word segment. Then we'll get to the today's topic. Then we'll go to the segment. So tell me this and the question I have for y'all to ponder on for the rest of this strength or week. And then lastly, we'll wrap up the summary of the show and leave you with the motto. But with that, for the intro, hopefully all is well with every single one of y'all, wherever you're all tuning in, wherever you are listening this to, whether if you're in a car, on a device, in your room, chilling, wherever you may end up being. Thank you for coming back. Hope all is well with you. Hope you are pushing forward with your goals and achieving what you want to achieve and keeping that pace or finding that pace in your life that you need to keep pushing forward. So much love. And now let's get into these news topics for this segment. What's the word, y'all? And for those who want to skip past this, I don't know the number when, but here are some of the updates. I'm going to read, again, a few of the articles, go through them, just so you can be up to date of what's going on, because it is always very important that you are at least aware of what's going on, not only in your immediate surrounding, but also what is happening around in the world, especially in times like these. Now, I have five articles for y'all today. From those five articles, we're going from what's going on again. I got an update of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine in the U.S. Then we have an update going on. Not an update. They're going to talk about what's going on in Canada and the government. We got more talk about rising prices of homes and rent. Then we're going to talk about a bit of the shot and how Johnson & Johnson has actually stopped production. And then lastly... We're going to talk about who is the person that actually created Black History Month. So let's go ahead. We're going to get into the first article, which comes from CNN World. And the headline reads, video show Russian units and missiles advancing towards Ukraine border. So here there's videos up here, but I'm just going to read again what the article has with it in words. So article reads. The buildup of Russian forces close to the Ukraine border comes apace. With everything from submarines and amphibious landing ships in the Black Sea to short-range ballistic missiles, tanks, 
and howitzers around Ukraine's east northeastern edges. CNN has geolocated and authenticated social media videos of these movements, though they were are likely more that are are not being observed. Some of the videos come from official sources. Most are from TikTok or YouTube. They are being analyzed by online observers and often complement satellite imagery. One of them says convoys near Belgorod. Belgorod. If I'm saying that correctly, y'all can laugh at me. It's all good. We need a good laugh. Here's a convoy moving near Belgorod in western Russia, just across the border from the major Ukrainian city of, I'm not going to even try, but I'm going to spell it for y'all. Um, y'all ain't going to have to write it down, but it is K-H-A-R-K-I-V. Again, Karvkiv. Karvkiv. I'm, again, get you a giggle. All right, so there's videos on it, but then it says there's plenty of other evidence of military buildup in the Belgorod region too. CNN geolocated these videos at the village of Sorrentino, about 15 miles, 24 kilometers or kilometers from the border. They were uploaded on Sunday and showed tanks moving towards that area. And again, a lot of this geolocating on many spots and you starting to see again, trails. Now it says nighttime movement. Russian forces are moving along at night in the area with tanks being offloaded from trains. Hmm. Um, there's more snow um, than further south when CNN geolocated the videos near Belgorod. So there it is. You have tanks around Vonornesh. I'm telling y'all, I got to learn. I have to learn. The areas around um, Vor, I'm just going to say Vor, also appear to be getting pretty crowded. A large collection of tanks and infantry fighting vehicles was filmed in the last couple of days from a passing train. According to analysts, they are part of the Russian First Guard Tank Army. And then they have multiple videos of it and different angles of what's going on. And they were able to, again, locate these clips to the spots helicopters near Belgorod as well in a couple of days more media social media videos have featured the arrival of helicopters near the Ukrainian border they could offer an important protection from ground troops in the event of an offensive these were filmed near Belgorod again more buildups of having tanks infantry fighting vehicles also known as BMPs and self-propelled artillery as seen here on the train on the outskirts of Belgorod again. So if another one missiles and artillery support, Michael Kaufman, Russian analyst at CNA, a nonprofit organization based in Virginia, notes that units and, and Kursk, such as the 6th Combined Arms Army, appear to be moving up to Belgorod with district level artillery support he says the first guards tank army has started to move too presumably to a final staging area again a lot is going on if a conflict began these would likely be used to attack fixed ukrainian positions 
such as command and control sites. They have a range up to 250 miles, which is 204 kilometers, and have been spotted in recent satellite imagery. So again, there's more and more and more tanks and military weaponry being unloaded by Russia around the Ukrainian border. So here's the last bit of the summaries, and then we'll finish from there. So Ukrainian, or I say Russian weaponry and ships continue to close in on Ukrainian border. Sites where equipment have been pre-positioned more than 100 miles, 106 kilometers have from the border have been progressively empty as units have moved forward. There are Russian units within a few miles of Ukraine and all the way from the Sea of Asba along the Ukrainian border and into Belarus. Russia's current military buildup near Ukraine is unprecedented, tweeted Robert Lee, Rob Lee, from the Department of War Studies and King at King's College, London. This is not like previous war scares or the buildup in spring of 2021. The amount of Russian aerial ground naval military power near Ukraine now is quantifiably far greater. While the equipment appears to have been assembled. Where it's moved, it's moved to next and when still remains unknown. So here's those updates again from the last few podcasts. Just know article comes from CNN World and it headline reads videos show Russian units and missiles or missiles advancing towards Ukraine border. Y'all. Stay aware. All right. Next article we got. Now, this is coming again. This is from CNN. And the headline reads Freedom Convoy. Canadian government invokes Emergencies Act due to blockades and protests over COVID-19 measures. And y'all wondering, OK, what the heck has been going on in Canada? Well, you're about to find out if you don't know. Part of it has to do with truckers. But let's continue, y'all. And I'm going to read this. The Canadian government is invoking the Emergencies Act for the first time to address the impact of continued protest across the country over COVID-19 health measures. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, if I say it right, told reporters Monday, the Emergencies Act can provide for the use of military but may not necessarily lead to that. And Trudeau said the government is not bringing them in, but it can temporarily suspend citizens' rights to free movement or assembly. And the government is taking steps to stop financial support of illegal protests. Here it comes. The trucker-inspired protests have for weeks disturbed residents in Ottawa's, oh yeah, Ottawa's downtown and recently impeded traffic flow at crossings at the U.S. border. This is about keeping Canadians safe, protecting people's jobs and restoring faith in our institutions, Trudeau said during a news conference in Ottawa, adding that the law will be limited geographically in scope and in time. The Canadian law passed in 1988 states 
For the purposes of this act, a national emergency is an urgent and critical situation for a temporary nature that cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law of Canada. Today said the government is not overriding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, nor limiting the rights to peaceful assembly. We are not preventing people from exercising their right to protest legally, he added. The news comes after the Ambassador Bridge, North America's busiest land border crossing, reopened Sunday, and Ontario, Canada's most populous, yes, as populous Providence, announced plans to loosen pandemic restrictions. For almost a week, protesters blocked the bridge linking Windsor, Ontario, and Detroit, severing the key trade routes and dealing economic blows to both the U.S. and Canada. The bridge reopened Sunday night, allowing the free flow of com commerce between the Canada and U.S. economies once again, the Detroit International Bridge Company said. The leader of Ontario announced the next day he plans to drop the Providence shot passport requirements on March 1st if its COVID-19 hospitalizations rates continue to improve. The removal of these measures has always been our objective and something we have collectively worked towards for months now, Premier Doug Ford announced. Let me be very clear. We are moving in this direction because it is safe to do so, Ford said. Today's announcement is not because of what's happening in Ottawa or Windsor, but despite it, arrest in Alberta. Now we'll go through it. There's a lot, but we're going to go through it. So now y'all got a little bit of the background. Arrest in Alberta. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police said Monday it seized 13 long guns, handguns, and multiple sets of body armor, a machete, and a large quantity of ammunition and high-capacity magazines connected to a small, organized group with a larger protest at the U.S. border crossing in, and think it's Coates or Cots, um, Alberta. The RCMP in Alberta said 11 people were arrested near the border crossing that connects Cots to Sweetgrass, Montana. The group was said to have a willingness to use force against the police if any attempts were made to disrupt the blockade, the statement said. This resulted in an immediate and complex investigation to determine the extent of the threat and criminal organization. After obtaining a warrant, police were able to search the three trailers early Monday that were associated with the group. The Cots border, or Cots, however, crossing is one of several that have been blocked by the protesters denouncing COVID-19 mandates. Next one, personal and corporate accounts can now be frozen, finance minister says. This is another headline within that. Oh, what is that, a smaller headline? The government is using the Emergency Act also to go after those who financially support illegal protests. Minister of Finance is like Cristela Freeland said at the news conference. Freeland said financial institutions are being given the power to suspend or freeze personal or corporate accounts they believe are being used to fund illegal protests. She wanted truck owners, for example, if 
she warned truck owners, for example, if the vehicle is being used in a blockade, the corporate account has been frozen. The government is taking action on crowdfunding sites and payment providers requiring them to register with the Financial Transaction and Reports Analysis Center of Canada and report any large suspicious donations. Some sites have raised millions of dollars. We are making these changes because we know that these platforms are being used to support illegal blockades and illegal activity, which is damaging the Canadian economy, she said. The protests that have hindered traffic at border crossings have impacted more than 500 million in commerce each day, Freeland said. Much of that was at the Ambassador Bridge, where 30% of trade and roads by road with the United States crosses, she said. That impacted about $390 million a day, Freeland added. The impact at the Cots crossing is $48 million, and at one in Emerson, Mantitoba, Mantitoba, it has been $73 million. These costs are real. They threaten business, big and small, and they threaten the livelihoods of Canadian workers just as we are all working so hard to recover from the economic damage caused by COVID, she said. Small headline. Protesters, not just truckers. The Freedom Convoy protesters' grievances stem from Canada's new mandates requiring truckers to either be fully vaccinated when crossing the Canadian-U.S. border or face mask or face a two-week quarantine. The protest has attracted support from thousands of more Canadians, even some who are fully vaccinated, but they say they want all COVID-19 preventative measures dropped. About four in every five Canadians are fully vaccinated, John Hopkins University data shows, and nearly 90% of the country truckers are fully vaccinated and eligible to cross the border, according to Canadian government. Interesting. Just listen, y'all. Pay attention. Amongst the relaxed restrictions on tap in Ontario, there are the removal of some event capacity limits as soon as Thursday. Ontario also has a goal to lift proof of vaccination requirements for all settings on March 1st. But Ontario residents must still wear a face mask or wear a mask for just a bit longer for it said. This is an important layer of protection that will allow us to proceed with our reopening plans. And this is the last part here. Canada's capital gets flooded by protesters. Members of the protest convoy have blocked Ottawa's downtown core and impeded boarding crossings between Alberta and Montana, Montitoba and North Dakota and British Columbia and Washington State. Truckers and their supporters have gathered in Ottawa since January 29th to rally against mass mandates, lockdowns, restrictions on gathering and other COVID-19 preventative measures. Protesters will remain in the capital city for as long as it takes for the governments across Canada to end all mandates associated with COVID-19, Freedom Convoy organizers said earlier this month. But Ottawa's mayor, Jim Watson, said Sunday that he had reached an agreement with organizers for them to leave residential areas of downtown and restrict their demonstrations to streets directly in front of Canada's national parliament. Residents this month have reported rock-throwing, property damage, and harassment by protesters. 
Police said they have opened dozens of investigations, including into alleged hate crimes. Some downtown Ottawa businesses have had to shut down temporarily. Americans, American officials worried similar protests could soon erupt in the U.S., perhaps near Sunday's Super Bowl in Southern California. And as right-wing media outlets have raised the prospect of like-minded rallies in the U.S. and offered positive coverage of those in Canada. But so far, the border blockades have been concentrated on the Canadian side. So, y'all, that is the whole spill, again, of what's going on with the protests, the Freedom Convoy in Canada with the truckers and protesters against the COVID-19 health measures. So, that's the update, y'all. Y'all let me know how y'all feel about that. Y'all, again, keep in touch and know what's going around with y'all. All right, let me see. On to the next one. This one is a bit shorter, which is good. So this comes from NPR. This is out of the headline of economy. And it reads, it's not just home prices. Rent rises sharply across the U.S. For those who are here with me in the U.S., hopefully y'all don't have to attest to this, but I live in California, so whew, there's no such thing as rent control <laughs> in certain areas. So I can definitely attest to this. But here we go. Article reads, last year, Laura Kraft landed, not Laura Croft, but Laura Kraft landed a job in Orlando, Florida. She just got in her Ph.D. in ethnomatology. Yeah, meaning she studies bugs. And she'd be working in a big time nature exhibit at a theme park. All that sounded great until she started looking for an apartment. I started looking for rent. And I was like, I'm not sure if I was going to take the job, she says. The rent was so high in Orlando, it really blew me away. At first, she looked for a place of her own, but anything in her price range had a waiting list for at least six months long. So she found a Facebook group for the theme park employees looking for a roommate in order to afford a place to live. My roommates and I together are paying 2200 Kraft says. A lot of people that I know have like three, four, sometimes five roommates in a house. The cost of rent, renting a place in Orlando has rose nearly 30% just last year alone, according to a survey by the real estate firm Redfin. Cities in Florida, New York, and New Jersey are seeing particularly steps, steep jumps in rent, as in Austin, Texas, with the biggest one, of 40%. Their survey, it should be noted, tracks new listings for apartments. That doesn't literally mean that every person in Austin is going to see their rent go up 40%, says Redfin's chief economist, Daryl Fairweather. But it means that if you are on the market right now looking for an apartment or home to rent, the prices will be 40% higher than they were the year before. Some of the forces driving rent higher different from city to city. Fairweather says a lot of people, a lot of technology workers have been moving to Austin and the migration of more people there is pushing both rents and home prices. In New York, rents are rebounding after falling earlier in the pandemic. But 
she says rents are rising more than usual just about everywhere. The root cause of the problem is the lack of supply. Fairweather says we have no built. We have not built enough homes to meet demand. There, there are a bunch of reasons for that. One of the biggest, she says, is restrictive zoning. Hmm. Especially in high cost parts of the country, zoning rules make it hard to build cheaper, smaller houses or apartments that are tightly packed together. Meanwhile, Fellweather says more more millennials in their late twenties and earlys feel like they're they've done with roommates or their parents' basement. Millennials are the biggest generation, she says. We're forming households and we want a place of our own that is causing an increase in demand. Refn survey looked at the fifty largest US states on average. It found that rent that rents landlord landlords were seeking for available homes and apartments rose three percent in twenty twenty, which is about normal for recent years, but then last year rose fourteen percent. Government data shows that the rent for Americans actually paying not just changed in pre- and price for new listings rose 8.3% over the past year, but dramatically, the customer index also shows rents have been rising for the usual past six months. So again, I can keep going on with this, but I'm just literally seeing that it's it's rising because of the lack of demand and what is going on, not only with the pandemic, but just, just a rising also cost of living. So for all those out there, Man, hopefully you can find you if you haven't found you places yet. Much success to you finding, you know, your search for a place that you have. And if you do have a place where you are, hope to keep sending you, you know, good energy to keep that secure because you never know when. All right. Let's keep it moving, y'all, because I know we are going in on these articles. But this one, I'm glad it is a short one and it's a quick update. This one is from Deseret News. Headline reads, Johnson & Johnson has stopped production of his single-dose COVID-19 vaccine. Interesting. All right, let's read a little bit, and we will be out. Article reads, Johnson & Johnson has reportedly stopped the production of a single-use COVID-19 vaccine, signaling that the company may cut back on its overall production of the vaccine. The New York Times reports that Johnson & Johnson quietly shut down production at a plant in the Netherlands, which was the only location that was creating usable doses of the J&J COVID-19 vaccine. Yes, but the facility in the Dutch city, Aledian, or yeah, Aledian, if I'm saying it right, has instead been making an experimental but potentially more profitable vaccine to protect against an unrelated virus per the New York Times. The halt in production will last temporarily per the New York Times. It is unclear if this shutdown will impact overall J&J vaccine supplies because there are stockpiles of vaccines available. The other side, Johnson & Johnson did not confirm the plant closure, but told CBS News that we currently have millions of doses of our COVID-19 vaccine in inventory. And we will continue to fulfill our contractual obligations to the African Union. One thing to watch. In October 2021, Johnson & Johnson said it will commit to about 50 million vaccines to COVAX, the global 
initiative to give vaccines throughout the world, according to The Hill. It's unclear if the production shutdown will impact the distribution of those vaccines. Uh, so again, and you know, it starts to make you wonder um, why they're starting. I'm stopping that production besides what they put and said within the article. But again, you go do your own research, look into the profits, the money to make it all make sense. And ultimately, you'll find your answer. But there we go, y'all. Last article for y'all. And then we're going to get to this topic because I know that's what y'all are waiting for. So, all right. This comes from CNN US. And it started back. This is an article back in February. But so y'all know, meet the man who created Black History Month. It's the headline. So here we go. Article reads, February marks Black History Month, a federally recognized nationwide celebration that calls on all Americans to reflect on the significant roles that African-Americans have played in shaping U.S. history. But how did this celebration come to be and why does it happen in February? The man behind the holiday, Carter G. Woodson, considered a pioneer in the study of African-American history, is given much of the credit for Black History Month. The son of former slaves, Woodson spent his childhood working in coal mines and quarries. He received his education during the fourth month term that was customary for black schools at the time. At 19, having taught himself English fundamentals and arithmetic, Woodson entered high school where he completed a four-year curriculum in two years. He graduated from Berea, if I'm saying that right, Berea College in 1903 and went on to earn his master's degree in history from University of Chicago. He later earned a doctorate from Harvard. How the holiday came about. Disturbed that history textbooks largely ignored America's black population, Woodson took on a challenge of writing black Americans into na the nation's history. To do this, he established the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. He also founded the group's widely respected publication, the Journal of Negro History. In 1926, Woodson developed Negro History Week. He believed the achievements of the Negro properly set forth will crown him as a factor in early human progress and a maker of modern civilization. In 1976, Negro History Week expanded into Black History Month. Why he picked February? Woodson chose the second week of February for a celebration because it marks the birthdays of two men who greatly influenced the black American population. One, Frederick Douglass, who escaped slavery and became an, ab an abolitionist and civil rights leader. Though his birthday isn't known, he celebrated it on February 14th, which is today, y'all. So happy, you know, birthday or born day, possibly to Frederick Douglass as well, too. It's the ancestor. Second, President Abraham Lincoln, who signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which abolished slavery in America's Confederate states. He was born February 12th for his work, Woodson has been called the father of black history. So 
That is the man who created Black History Month, where a little bit of history of how it started, why it's celebrated in February, and how it transitioned in 1976 from Negro History Week to Black History Month. And I know also today is Valentine's Day. Y'all also look into that history. So if y'all loving on somebody today, there you go. But I'll say this personally, I don't celebrate really much of any type of holidays. But if it it meets all of your needs and what y'all need, much love to every single one of y'all out there. The only ones I like to create, I create on my own. But with that, y'all, there goes all of the what's the word articles and news updates for y'all appreciate y'all still being here i know there's a lot to be going into this but with that let's go ahead and we're gonna jump in to today's topic which today's topic is about power now going into power we get there's 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 a few things i'm gonna talk about with power again and there's so much that can be expanded upon when we speak about power but I'm going to lay this groundwork for us, okay? But while, while I'm about to lay this groundwork, thinking ahead, what is power to you? How do you define power? And where do you see that power either being used, being not used, wherever it may end up applying to you? Keep that in mind as I lay this groundwork. Now, when we speak about power, I'm going to throw some stuff out there because there's, again, when it comes to words, the dictionary has so many different definitions, and we use the word power in many different ways, which with these examples, whether it has to do with power as in electricity, of things of inputting some type of energy, or power having to do with control and authority as well as power having to do with exerting your strength or a means to show how strong something or someone is, as well as power having to do, again, with the work that you have of how much of that force that you're going to push into, um, into work, as well as political power and control. Like I said earlier, again, as well as it can do with mental power, physical power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, y'all. So those are some of the examples of power and how I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to go around with a, a lot of those examples, but I want to give y'all, because y'all probably wanting to know, okay, why is it all the dots in between power? So for me, again, I'm an artist. You're going to know me also as Mr. Acronym. I love making acronyms. So in this particular case, how I see power is this. Power for me is pouring out willpower and exerting resiliency. So the aspect of power and how I look at that is, again, be able to pour out that willpower, which is that force that comes even from the mental as well as part of the physical power and exerting that power to become resilient so also being able to use that energy willpower strength all of that together to become resilient to overcome obstacles so that's how i look at power and how i again 
look at using that type of power is I'm using that through, again, this podcast, being able to get the word out, share my experiences, share what I know about things. I don't know everything, but I can share a little bit of what I know and that I can expand to the next person and they can build off of that and continue to create more and more perspectives that helps us to get and shine light on all of that there is and can be. Also with the power I use to when it's making my decisions, you know, having that type of power, having that control. Again, when the type of power that I can see it in here again is having the power to be able to control self, whether if that's regulating emotions, that's regulating, again, how you think, your actions, all of that. Because at the end of the day, or when it comes down to it, the only thing that you have control over, and we're not even talking about temporary control, like if you're at a job and you're a supervisor or you're a head over people, not, we're not going to talk about that type of power because once work's over, it's a whole different story, especially if people do not respect you. But the power to control self, because that is the only thing at the end of the day that you have ultimate power over. And for those who may be struggling with different disabilities and different, again, biological setbacks, this is a little bit more harder to, again, explain and be able to be like, oh, everybody, and say majority, a vast amount of us have the power to control self. And that's where I bridge this acronym from and how it can be weaved or woven into all these other concepts of power. Now, as we're continuing on talking about power, there's two books that popped into my mind when I thought about power. And one of them, I want to give a shout out to the brother Just Blue for putting me on about this book. I haven't gotten to fully read it yet. But again, this book is called Power versus force and knowing the difference between how power and force are seen when you approach a room where you approach a space and how that has either negative positive and ultimate effect of that space or place now that book is by david r hawkins and I, like I said, I haven't gotten to read it, but the title in itself was very intriguing, which it says, again, power versus force, the hidden determinants of human behavior. So, again, looking into what power has an influence on when it comes to human behavior as well as force. An example that the brother Just Blue gave was talking about how you enter a room and how. When you walk into the room and you exert or you show the power that you have, there's a certain air, there's a certain charisma that you bring to that room that everyone takes note and they're able to see and look. And it's, you have that type of, again, that energy that just, energy gravitates, people gravitate to it. And you do it, Again, it's not nonchalantly, I mean, nonchalantly, but effortlessly versus force, which in this case is rushed 
in the sense of its name, it's forced. And it's something where you are trying to manipulate what is happening within that space by doing different actions to cause other folks to take note of what you're doing. So one of them is done effortlessly. The other one is done with putting in a lot of effort to be seen. But again, that's the power also of we can talk about influence as well as the power of personality and how you move with yourself. Because, again, you have that power to control. And the only thing you can control is self. You can try to control when the sun is hot. You try to control when your sister, your mom or family member goes and drives your car and doesn't put gas back in there. You can try to control that and have power over that. But ultimately, again, everybody is their own person. They have their own power. They have their own settings. And that's where you get into the whole idea of a power struggle and someone trying to be over the next person, which loops into the next book I want to talk about, which is by Robert Greene. Everyone has at least heard of the book. If you haven't read it, it's it's a it's a good book to definitely take note of, especially the list of them. But the book is called The 48 Laws of Power. And there's a list of all the different laws within how people across a variety of different civilizations have talked about or at least seen when it comes to power. Now, am I going to go through the whole list? No, but I'm definitely going to give you a few of the laws. I'll point them out. Maybe I'll do I'll do two laws from each of the 10. So we'll give about if there's 48. I'm going to give you two laws out of it. Each of those 10 don't even need to do the math, but I'll give you a few of them and we'll continue on. But here is the list. First law under that is never outshine the master. And in, in a sense, when it's talking about not outshining the master is, again, the teacher. Being humble in a sense of learning what the master has to show you and not taking opportunities to try to show up the master in areas that you've gotten to notice and see that the master or, you know, your mentor is struggling and you have the skills over him or over them. And more so to do it in the natural sense of showing reference and respect because if you do outshine it then you start creating more people to start looking at you again um another one from there because there's a lot of them in here um another one is to conceal your intentions so again concealing means is holding in not letting everybody know what your true intentions on stuff are again that can be to a detriment but it's the way that you interpret these laws that will help you at least get some perspective on what they're really trying to mean. Another one, which we like to end up always talking about now, we were talking about getting rid of toxic people within our lives and cleaning out the clutter. Law 10 says infection, avoid the unhappy and the unlucky. So in a sense, again, you are, a reflection of who you hang around. So 
you want to be able to, again, surround yourself with, quote unquote, positive and uplifting and inspirational folks versus unhappy, frustrated, angry people. That's that law. Another one. Hmm. Use absence to create respect and honor. And this law, again, can be also interpreted of being able to know your worth and your time. And knowing, again, in this particular case, this can be routed to relationships. It can, and it can be used in a negative aspect, but it can also be used in a positive aspect. I'm not going to keep going through each everyone talk about it. Um, conceal your forces. So if you have certain sources and you have resources, again, being able to conceal those, especially this is a lot when it comes to fighting against your quote unquote enemies. So not basically showing your whole hand, always having a trump card. At least that's how I'm interpreting it. Another one, recreate yourself, which again, that's a that's that's something important to do as well too. Is learning more about yourself, and when there's times where you feel you've reached the wall or the ceiling, and you don't know where else to go with that, this is a perfect place. Recreate yourself, reinvent yourself, and you'll find some type of new vigor. Or it might help you to inspire yourself to, again, look at the problem or situation that you have in a different light. Another one, make your accomplishments seem effortless. So that's on the outside looking in. But we know if you've seen, there's a picture too, you can look it up, that's about um, accomplishments or forget. But basically there's an iceberg. It's a picture of an iceberg. And basically it's showing 10% of what everyone ends up seeing versus the 90% that's underwater that no one sees. And that's all the work and effort that you put in. So being able to do that behind the scenes, but then show others out there how effortlessly that is done. And that could also help to be able to show people to push forward with it. And again, it can be used either negatively or positively, however you want to look at that. Uh, let's see. Master the art of timing. Mm, very, very, very important as well, too, because time is everything, y'all. Timing on a lot of stuff is everything, whether it's a joke, whether it's getting to work, whether it's, again, you're playing a sport, a game, um, a conversation for people to make sure that they don't lose sight or the point of what you're speaking on. This is all imperative when it comes to master the art of timing. And again, it's always talking about these different laws of power, which, again, we have so many different aspects of power. I'm not going to be able to touch on every single one of them, but I just wanted to share some few things with it. Um, let me do two more. And then after that, we'll continue on. And I just want to speak less, much more about other aspects of power. And then we could get on up out of here, y'all. All right. Avoid stepping into a great man's shoes. Mm. Avoid stepping into a great man's shoes. And this. Man could be people. Again, it's every aspect 
of persons. And that basically means, yo, especially when you take on the responsibility of somebody who left before you and they start to create comparisons. This is where you start to uh, honestly people fall into that whole idea, too, of the imposter syndrome, especially because the expectations are so high from the previous person that may have had that job, that position. You know, if your parents, you know, are very known, whether in the church, maybe within music, art, wherever it may end up being. And now you're stepping into their shoes and they don't signify you as, oh, that's such and such versus, oh, that's um the son of, the daughter of, the person and family of. So that's what that is there. And, you know, let's see, in the last one, assume formlessness. Be water, my friend. Like Bruce Lee would say. Basically being able to not be conformed to any particular shape, place, or wherever you are. But being able to be flexible and change and adapt at any moment. So assume formlessness. So those are just a few from the 48 Laws of Power. It's a good read just so you can have at least a perspective on you know, power from the aspect of not of number of different folks within history, which a lot of these um laws, um Robert Greene actually puts a story within history to show those example of it. But so you can get a grasp on, okay, how can this power be used and seen? Which moving in now to some more aspects on power, another one I wanted to speak about again was about the not only the physical energy but also um, like electricity and that type of energy and that power and how, especially where we're moving, um, EVs, you know, electrical vehicles and other things of that sort is solar power, that energy and all of that is coming to place nowadays. And we need to get a grasp on how that works because in line with how electricity and the sun and all these other different powers work, it is actually a mirror and a reflection of how our body works how technology has all this energy electricity and power it is basically a reflection and a reflection of how our body works that's how it was created that's how we have the computer the computer has a motherboard the computer chip has memory it's all based off of the human body and anatomy same thing with the cell phone so anything that has to do with electricity charging and technology have power batteries all of those different things having to do with power. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's important that we also not only recharge ourselves, whether that's doing any different type of self-cares, again, keeping our pace, as well as being able to get good night's rest, as well as take breaks. Because I know, again, we work so hard day in and day out just to survive, but forgetting the fact that for us to be able to keep that willpower, pour out that willpower and reserve that resiliency to keep pushing forward into the next day, yo, we got to recharge. So just like you put your phone on a charger, shoot, same thing with yourself. Get quality rest, eat quality food, read quality things, listen to quality music, sounds, programs, podcasts, whatever it may end up being to fully recharge yourself. Because that type of power, again, the power, again, to control over yourself, 
that you have has to do with, again, shots out to importance of self-care, the practice of self-care. Again, bringing it back into this episode. It's all, it's all fully connected. And when you understand how electricity and that type of power is connected to yourself and not only how a system, now we get into the political, how the system is ran, you see how important not only people as workers, the blue collar workers, folks that go in day out and do what they do, help to keep not only the economy, but also our lights, our sewage systems, our building infrastructures, tax, all these different things, working and moving. Because it's that labor, that physical labor, that energy that's put into all of this to make things work. And ultimately, that's how we move as societies. We move together is making sure that each one of us is being able to get what we need. And if these few years have been showing you that when folks and people do not get what they need, those basic needs and how they feel, especially when something huge as a pandemic happens, we're locked down, situations are going awry. It shows you how quickly a system can break down and how quickly it can be seen as unreliable. And where am I going with this point? It's the point to show you that literally, even with having political power in a certain sense, it comes from the power of the collective, of us being able to make the choices to use our own personal power to be able to help influence and push the next person, peoples, whoever it may be, to the next fold. And using that power, because there's a thing, is a sovereign power, that self-power, to either improve upon situations or to make situations worse. And that's where division can be also created because we have that power struggle, the whole now we have power dynamic of this one is this one. That's why even how our government is supposed to be shaped or how it's shaped is there have, again, you have the Senate, you have the Congress, as well as you have the three different branches of government, and they're supposed to be the checks and balances so that not one particular branch or p part of government whether if it's the lawmaking, whether if it's the executive, and whether it is the, you know, military. I keep on forgetting specifically what it's what it is again. No one uses and abuses that power. And how do you know when that power is being used or abused? Look at his citizens. Dennis denizens, another word I learned. Look at his denizens as well as look at the programs. Look at the people in charge of those programs. Look at how much crime, corruption, and the status quo is affected, whether if that's unemployment, whether if that's the rising in cost of living, as well as the rise in, you know, protests. All those different things, it's all indicators 
of a larger problem, the core, the system. How I see it too, I put it, it's a system. There's a cyst in the stem, the root of a particular, again, infrastructure or system. Now, that's the whole spill I have there, again, with power. But the last thing I wanted to add with it was, you know, how do you assess your power and how do you use it? So how to assess your power, assess or figure out that power, again, is going to take time for you to take into that awareness and really figure out where your strong suits are. You know, where do you hold some type of, again, going to say power, but where do you hold some type of strength or expertise in an area as well as your relationships to people in your life, whether if you're a parent, knowing that type of power you have as a parent, whether if you are a guardian or if you're a teacher, your jobs, all those different titles hold some type of weight and some type of power as well as you know, police forces in the military. Again, those hold all different types of power. Now, how are you assess that type of power within yourself is basically knowing what are your sources of balance. And what I mean by that is what are your ethics? What are your values? What are your principles? And how do you implement those into how you show and express your power? And when you are able to assess and find out what are your morals, your values, your principles, and I'll say this, your purpose and reasoning to why you have these type of power and you use it. That is where you know if you are assessing and then using your power either, quote unquote, for good. Because, again, from Spider-Man, the quoted or the same saying is quoted so many times. Uncle Ben, right? With great power comes, y'all finish. Great responsibility. Be able to have the ability to respond to that power that you use. But ultimately, when it comes down to power and how you use it and what it is, it is all determined up to you and how you express that and where your values, principles, ethics, morals, purposes, and intent with using that. But for me, it's showing and pouring out willpower and exerting resiliency, growing to get better, overcoming obstacles. And showing that you can do that and being able to allocate and use that power to also uplift and empower others around you. Because aren't we here to do that? To help empower the next person so that they get powered up, then it ends up powering up the next person. And before you know it, we have fully moved and empowered this whole world around us. So, with that, y'all, let's get to ending this podcast for today and i want to share the question that i want to leave with y'all for this week or for this strength to ponder about so let's move to so tell me this so tell me this what 
or I should say, how do you obtain power? I know we spoke about already how to assess it, but how do you obtain power? What do you do? Where do you find it? In my aspect of how you obtain power is being able to take in that assessment again and figure out where your expertise is and figure out your morals, your values, your purposes, all those different things. And where does that stem from? Whether if that's from your family, whether if that's from your history, your culture, because there's cultural power too, as well as whether that's from your physical power, whatever it may end up being, how you obtain that power, the power of yourself, be able to master self. How do you obtain that? It takes time, it takes effort, it takes willingness, discipline, all those things. But that's my answer to it, or at least my spill on it. But again, y'all tell me this. How do you obtain power? And let that push you and continue to drive you throughout this week and strength. But with that, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Pace Podcast. I have been your host, Advis, a dreamer's vision is seeing success and wrapping up all of this together. When it comes to having the news, please be aware. Take the time, whether if you read, whether if you watch, because you got to be, you need to be aware of what's happening around you. And when it comes to power, you ultimately have power. It is up for you to divine or define that power, find that power, cultivate that power, and use it, whether to pour it out and exert that resiliency, pour and pouring out that willpower and exerting that resiliency, or to help and use that to empower others. Again, with great power comes great responsibility. Thank y'all for coming in for another episode, episode three of the Pace Podcast. We're going to have more coming, so stay tuned and stay on the watch. But before we go, don't forget and remember to keep your pace, patience, awareness, consistency, and empathy. Until next time, peace, love, balance and pace that patience and awareness consistency is searching deep inside feel that empathy so you gotta keep your pace gotta keep your pace moving and dodging all of these lies running head forward here in this race family keep your pace friends keep your pace around the whole globe my people keep your pace patience awareness consistency and empathy the model made simply now go keep living peace